Good morning, everyone. Is everybody having a good Sunday morning so far? Good, good. Well, here we are in the fifth week uh, of a six-week series that we are calling Pathway Shift, uh, where we are doing an extended time really looking into the great commandment, that uh, the, the thing that Jesus said was the most important life, a thing in life to get right. And that was to love our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and equally as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, when we've been looking at this, our, our, our tendency is to kind of segment them and, and look at each one individually and, and really look at them independent from one another. But they when we do that, we really lose the scope and really lose the magnitude of what Jesus was talking about. And to illustrate this point, we've had this Celtic knot that we've been looking at. Uh, when we look at a knot like this, and they're all interreliant on one another, and we kind of color-coded them, the first one red being loving God with all of your heart, all your emotions, the next one loving God with all your soul, and um, the yellow, then the next one, God with all your mind, all the blue. Uh, next one, uh, loving God with all your strength, which we're talking about today. And then the final one, which we'll talk about next week, is loving your neighbor as yourself in, in orange. And seeing that they're all interconnected. But this is so important. I've been trying to bring in different images and different metaphors uh, so we can really understand that we're coming in and looking at this as an integrated life, that it's not something that is, to that is segmented. And uh, I wanted to bring in uh, an, an orange and a, an apple today to try to, to illustrate this uh, point farther. How do, you, how do you eat an orange? You can do that. You can cut it in half, but if you don't have any tools, if you're just walking along and you find and you're hungry and you find a orange, you sit there and you uh, the first thing you do is is you peel it. What is it? It's an orange. I'm I'm worried about your parents if you don't know what an orange is. <laughs> then what do you then you got this nice little orange here, then then what do you do with it? Yeah, you pull it you pull it apart and then it has all these like little little slices. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> slices. And if you're a normal person, you'll you'll take one of the slices uh off and don't eat it, right? <laughs> I will share. You can pat who who wanted some. There we go. There we go. You need to share too, though. So you have the the segment. A lot of times in our in our modern uh, culture, that's how we approach we approach information, that uh, we go in and we peel it and we segment it and we take it completely apart. You know, it's how our sciences are built and, and, and things like that, which, which is fine, but uh, a lot of times we, we lose sight of the whole picture. 
And really what we want to do with this study in the Great Commandment is to look at it like an apple. How, how do you, if you don't have any tools, Wes, how would one eat an apple? You just, and you eat the, you eat the peel, you, you, uh, uh, you get the, the meat of it, you got, uh, I got orange coming out of my mouth, that's gross. Uh, 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 you just, you just, you know, you just devour it. You take an apple, you know, you approach it as a whole, and that, anybody want an apple? There you go. Don't eat it, though, because it'll probably be noisy and distracting. Eat it later. What? Yeah, but those in the front row need to be quiet. <laughs> yeah, so he's sitting a little farther back, so it's okay. But as we approach this, as we approach the, uh, the really the great commandment, we have to understand that each one uh, affects the other, that it's, it, is a, it is a complete package. We can't talk about one without talking about the other. But also knowing that, that, that there are things that we can learn about each and every one of them that we can implement by also adding it to our holistic or integrated life of, of worship or bringing glory to God. So today, like I said, specifically we're going to be talking about, about strength and, and really the, the, the physical world and what God thinks about that. But before we jump into that, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know, make sure you know their name, and ask them this question. What, is, what has been your biggest victory in life or a victory in life? Go for it. Patrick's dad. I didn't turn my ringer off. That's the biggest victory. Yeah. All right, come on. All right, come on back, come on back. So, does anybody want to share what has been a victory in your life? Anyone? There we go. And please say your name before you. My name is Pat- is close enough? My name is Patricia. And my greatest victory in life, uh, I was just telling Kimberly uh, and Brooke about it, is when I was 16, I had um, a virus and they didn't know what it was. It turned out later that it was diagnosed as toxic shock. And I was in the hospital for uh, about a month. But the first few days, my fever got really high and I went into a coma. And prior to going into the coma, I had an out-of-body experience where I was floating above my body watching them. And they called all my family in. They told my parents that they didn't know what was wrong and they were doing everything that they could to treat the symptoms. And <clears throat> I had about a 50% chance of, of surviving because I was comatose. And they had a silent prayer at the football game 
that um, Friday night for one minute. And I woke up the next morning, and the doctors said they didn't know what had happened, but they were just going to go with it. So I've, I've been wondering then, since then, what my purpose is for being here, because obviously there's a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Right. I think I saw a hand back here. What's your name? My name's Joel. I'd have to say my second biggest victory is embarrassing my friends. Um, by raising my hand, but um, my first, I would have to say, is uh, meeting and marrying my beautiful wife, Katie, because there were a lot of parts of my life that were dependent upon that, that had to fall in the line first before uh, I would be prepared and for her. Cool. Awesome. Anybody else want to share? Shayna Case? You can still say it. Hi, I'm Shayna. Um, besides the whole family part, you know, the husband, the kids, yeah. you know, that's a given. Um, I finally graduated college after 18 years. Congratulations. Very good. Outstanding. Anybody else want to share? Do, 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 do. I think I see a. Did you want to share what your biggest victory in life was so far? <laughs> Aw, <laughs> you look like a turtle. <laughs> like, I hate this place. <laughs> well, I was, uh, I was uh, obviously thinking about this and uh, really talk, uh, what we're talking about today, uh, just, you know, the book physical in the, in the body and, and things like that. And I was, uh, as Eric uh, Case and I often do, we, we discuss what we're going to be talking about and, and uh, trying to communicate what truth uh, we feel that God wants us to communicate that day. And uh, he, he said like a lot of, a lot of people don't understand or, or don't have the context of of my my passion for uh, triathlons and eating eating right and things like that, and uh, they just think that it's you know if they if they just came in the past four years or so that they just think that that's just the way I am and and just the way it's always been. But the the reality is um, I have I have struggled. Uh, with my my physical health and, and taking care of myself my whole life and it, it's something that that has been a great place of uh, failure uh, in the in the past for me and uh, something a great heartache and and I I had tried every kind of fad diet. I've tried Atkins. I've tried you know somebody's like Subway and I'm like yeah I did the low fat uh, thing you know I tried. Uh, this this one diet where when I was in college, somebody said, if you do this, you can lose 10 pounds in four days. Please don't try this. I'm just trying to use this as an illustration. But uh, what you did was you ate, uh, the first day you ate uh, three bananas, for uh, one for breakfast, one, you know, three, bana uh, three bananas for breakfast, three bananas for lunch, three bananas for dinner. Next day was with eggs. You did the same thing, three eggs, three eggs, three eggs. Next day was hot dogs. Three hot dogs, three hot dogs, three hot dogs, and uh, then the 
the last day you did uh, the three all together and uh, for for each meal and you know I lost the I lost ten pounds really I did and uh, then it then it came right back and and uh, I so uh, Eric and I were talking about this and and he's he's like well you need to show them a picture of you you know and I'm like no that's not. <laughs> It's not a good idea, and, and it's not something that, that I'm proud of. And, and to be honest with you, there's not a lot of pictures of me when I was at my height weight uh, when I first got here at, at 260 pounds. But I did find a picture um, that better not find its way onto the Internet, by the way, uh, that I was about 245, and I just wanted to... Show you, yeah. Ooh, thank you for that. I, I <laughs> yeah. And there was about 15 more pounds put on that hunk uh, before I really, uh, through the encouragement of some people here and my wife and things, I uh, kind of got off the quick fix track and and really, uh, that's enough. Uh, and <laughs> and really. Uh, uh, Really started taking seriously uh, my my body as as a I took it serious before, but but as 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 a way to worship God and as part of my holistic self. And uh, so what I'm talking about today is is really it's really personal. Um, and I've been nervous about talking because I know kind of the kind of the feeling is, oh, that's just my thing, is, you know, healthy eating and, and exercise and, and trying to bring glory to it. But the reality is the vast majority of my life, it was not my thing. I mean, it was just, it was, a, it was just, it was an area of defeat and it hasn't been since the last four years that uh, I believe that God has given me victory uh, in this in this area of of my life, and uh, the reality is, for me, it, it's my weight, and for others, it, it may be substance abuse. It could be you know smoking. It, it could be uh, 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 you know sexual um, uh, things. You know, so really, all of us relate to this in some way and when I'm talking about weight and things like that it may not may not be your thing at all um it may be something else and just but we all can identify with you know what how do we how do we love God with with all this now the thing with the physical many times is is it's so readily apparent a lot of times for us that and it, and it becomes a place that we we can't really hide and it becomes a sense of place of failure, so we just want to give up. And I think one of the most powerful quotes ever um, about just success and finding success in things is from Tom, uh, Thomas Edison. And this is a famous quote. I'm sure that you've all heard it. It says, he said, if I find 10,000 ways something won't work, I haven't failed. I am not discouraged because every wrong attempt discarded is another step forward. And you know what? It, what he's saying there, 
really makes a lot of sense that if we, we, we discard, I think the, the important thing is like when we find something that doesn't work, bananas, eggs, and, and hot dogs, that's not a, a life-sustainable kind of, kind of diet. When we find that, that out, that to be true, you know what? It's a place of success. It's a place to go, all right, good. Now I know that that's not the thing that I meant to do, and, and, I, and you don't do it again. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today is, you know what, how do we find success in this area? The, the, the Bible talks about how the, how the body is, or the, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is a universal truth that, that all of us struggle with. And the first kind of thing that maybe is a question is, does God even care about the physical body? I mean, last week we talked about how, how the, the, the soul is eternal and, and it's meant to, you know, it's this, this thing that's going to be around for eternity. So isn't, you know, that, you know, what we should be putting all of our attention toward? Well, you know what? Absolutely. You get that wrong, you get eternity wrong. But also there's great evidence in the Bible that, that God cares about the physical. Well, he, number one, he created the physical world. He's spirit, but he created the physical world that we all live in. So uh, he created man and woman and, and everything and to, for us to, to physically walk this earth, that we are his creation. The other thing is you, you look at the, the Gospels, and what did Jesus do an awful lot of in, 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 while he was here in his earthly ministry? You can just yell it out. He healed people. He healed a lot of people. A lot of his ministry was taking care of people's physical ailments. To, he healed 26 people specifically of physical things like leprosy uh, and blindness and being deaf and all that kind of stuff. He actually uh, freed seven people from, from demons. That He resurrected three people. Now, if the Spirit is the only thing, why the heck would he resurrect people. I mean, obviously, there's something about the physical. And then he delivered many others. Uh, in two separate instances, in Luke chapter 6, uh, it says in verse 18, they had come to hear him. So they came to hear what he had to say about God and what uh, he had for their life and what was envisioned for their life. But they also came to be healed of their disease. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, starting verse 38, after leaving the synagogue that day, after leaving church, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he spoke to her the fever, rebuking it, and immediately her temperature returned to no normal. She got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Isn't that kind of funny? Like, everybody heal her so she can get up and cook. <laughs> We're hungry. Come on, Jesus. I'm just saying, that's what it says. <laughs> that's the, and after that one out, uh, the sun went down and people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their disease were, 
the touch of his hand healed everyone. There was a, a, a heresy uh, early on in Christianity uh, called Gnosticism. And basically, they were going around saying, hey, you know what? The physical doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's only the spirit. And, and when people looked at Scripture and looked at what they were talking about, they said, well, that's, that's not right. That God cares very much about our bodies and what we do with them. And it's just, unfortunately, it's a reality for, for many of us that, that we, we like to separate the two. You know, we like to think we can come and worship God in spirit, in truth, and that's enough, but it's not. That our bodies were given to us, and for some of us, we, you know, we, we struggle with the weight thing. For, for many of us, we struggle with the sexual thing or, or substance abuse or all sorts of things. But God came to bring us healing, that he's, and his, still offers that today. The other thing that, that I think often we uh, shy away from is talking to other people about their health and their health decisions. Should we care about one another's health or should we just say, oh, just do, do whatever you want? Should we intervene as the church? And uh, one of the interesting little kind of uh, a sentence in, in a greeting kind of gives us our first clue in 3 thir- John and Verse 2, John says, Dear friends, I am praying that all is well with you and that your body is as healthy as I know your soul is. Isn't that kind of interesting that in the, in the Bible, John's saying, You know what? I hope your body is as healthy as your soul is. Because that is important. That's important to me to know that you are healthy because the reality is, if if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're in pain or you hurt, if you're sick, it's hard to get past that and think about anything else. That, that a lot of times that, you know, when, you know, if people, there's the, the hierarchy of needs. If somebody's hungry they're, and, and just trying to survive, they're not going to think about spiritual things. If, we're, if we are unhealthy, we're not going to be able to love others as ourselves because we can't, can't function ourselves. And what we have to do is encourage one another to live these principles out. In James chapter 5, in verse, starting in verse 13, he says it this way, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. These are physical manifestations. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We talk about the the Holy Spirit in you. A lot of times, the reason we don't pray for one another 
is we do not believe the Holy Spirit that is in us is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. But the reality is that that power is in you. And when we pray, we're invoking the name of Jesus to say, intervene supernaturally into this situation and heal this person. So I guess that begs the question, what is our responsibility to our physical bodies? How, you know, wh- what is it? If, if God cares about it and so much that, that he says that we should care about it, and he's also, Jesus is saying, look, this is an area that I'm including with your mind and your emotions and loving others as yourself, and even your soul and your spirit, that it is in the same kind of package. That this needs to be a place, an act of worship in your life. Well, if you open up to 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, Paul's writing a letter, and when when we look at the Bible and a lot of the, the, the letters, or they call the epistles of Paul, that, that you have to remember, Paul was a real guy like you and I, and he was writing a real letter about a real situation to a group of people. It would be like me sitting down tonight, and I'm going to write a letter to Jeremy about how distracting it is to be eating an apple in the front row while I'm trying to teach. That's what Paul's doing. He's writing a specific letter to a specific person about a specific thing. Why is it important to us then? Because we believe that Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that, you know what? There are principles here, godly principles that we can take that, that say, you know what, there's, there's things here that apply to all people for all time. So that's what we're doing here in Corinthians. And, and what was happening in, in Corinth was that uh, people were taking their freedom in Christ and, and kind of buying into this Gnosticism thing where the body doesn't matter and they were basically having orgies and sex and, and just, you know, going for it. And he's like, whoa, there's an issue here. So that's the letter he's writing. You may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but I reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. But our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. And here comes the the first kind of universal truth that applies to all of us here today. It says our bodies, or they, were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. The Lord cares about our bodies. We know that because Jesus healed a lot of people. We know that because God created our bodies. But here we are, again, reminded that God cares about our bodies. 
And God will raise our bodies from the dead by his marvelous power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Next universal truth that's going to be told here. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Don't you realize that your bodies are parts of Christ? So when we take ourselves down, we are affecting the body of Christ. That kind of ratches up, doesn't it, a little bit about how we conduct ourselves and what we put in our bodies and what we do with our bodies. Should a man take his body, which belongs to Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Yes, this is very graphic. I think God is trying to give us something here to to, to crystallize in our minds that he cares deeply about how we treat ourselves. And in fact, I'm going to read for you in a few minutes actually what he calls ourselves. Goes on, it says, run away from sexual sin. If sexual sin isn't your thing, run away from gluttony or run away from substance abuse or run away from whatever that thing is. No other sin can so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And here we go. And this is where if everything preceding this doesn't kind of say, oh, maybe this is an area in my life that I should really take seriously as an act of worship. This next part hopefully will convince you. It says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? We are the physical temple of the very Spirit of God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So there we are. God, we see, cares about the physical body. We see that we should care about one another and speak encouragement into one another in this area. That we see that, you know what, our bodies is the house of the Holy Spirit and that we should make and put attention to it and take care of it. But again, for many of us, this has been an area of failure But the reality is, if we look at it like Thomas Edison, that maybe it shouldn't be an area of failure. Maybe it should be an area where we say, you know what, I have learned ways and I've learned things that, that haven't worked, so I am one step closer to success. I am 39. In two weeks, I will be 40 years old. It took me 36 years 
to find some success with my weight. And I can tell you all sorts of ways that that didn't work. And those are ways that I have discarded and thrown away and will not do again. That, That, you know what? We can have victory in Christ. We can have freedom in Christ that we do not have to be slaves to food or sex or, or substance abuse or anything like that. That Christ has already gave us the victory. And the cool thing is, is that we get to be in a community, in a place that's the only organization on earth that's been ordained to speak into every aspect of our lives from our emotions to our minds to our spirit to our to our physical being and to how we conduct our relationships with the other people in this world that we're already half the way there all we have to do is implement the the things that that God has called us to do but we are so far ahead of the game because we do not have to go it alone now, I've compiled some biblical principles and just with the constraint of time, I don't have time to get into all the big biblical references, but I want to share some of these things with you. How, how to, to have victory in this area. The first one is identify the outcome. Identify the outcome. Don't just start quitting things. Quitting and trying just to be good doesn't work. It's like swimming against the tide or swimming up the river. Eventually, you're just going to get tired and give up. The thing that you have to do is envision the person that God has created you to be. On the purity side, maybe envision your your wedding day. Envision, Envision actually the honeymoon night. And being able to give each other impurity to one another for the very first time. Maybe on the weight thing, don't say, I'm going to lose weight. Envision yourself doing something that you previously couldn't do because of, of your weight or something like that. Envision yourself you know, being able to, uh, to go and serve and love some people that you could have never done. I don't know what those things are. Maybe the, the substance abuse thing is envisioning yourself to being a healthy, responsible, and valuable friend. Saying, you know what, that, that's where I need to be. The next thing is perseverance. You know what? You're not going to get it right every time. There's going to be lots of times that you're going to take two steps forward and one step back. But you know what the beauty of that is? You're still one step closer. You're one step closer. It's a success. I didn't lose 60 pounds like that. It went like this. People don't, you know, a lot of times don't walk away from substance abuse or, or sexual addiction like that, that there's going to be hiccups. But, but saying, you know what, I'm going to persevere because the goal is so important. I have it so clear cut in my mind of what, who God has envisioned me to be that I am going to continue in that way. 
Another thing is figuring out what the trigger is in your life that causes self-destructive behavior. For some of you, it may be if you get an argument with your spouse or, or a friend that you, you, know, you go and you have a drink or you smoke a cigarette or you go to the freezer and you, you, know, you, you grab a pint of ice cream and you flip on Dr. Phil and, and you just let it roll. And you sit there and you're in a, you know, a glucose buzz and going, I did it again, you know, or something like that. I've been there. And saying, you know what? How did I find myself here? And being brave enough to say, you know what? This is the trigger. And next time this trigger happens, instead of doing this, I am going to do something positive and healthy. Be wise. Be wise. You know what? Most of us already know enough information to live healthy. You know, the, the idea of, of deep fried Twinkies not being maybe good for you is not a revelation. That, that maybe, just maybe, saying, you know what? Instead of reading, you know, a bunch of stuff, and I know that's contrary to what I said two weeks ago, but kind of it's balance here. To keep on reading about nutrition, maybe getting up and grabbing a stick of celery and going for a walk and just doing. We call this a doing series, a wisdom series, being wise with the information that we have been giving, given. The next one, and, and this is not very you know, PC or, or whatever, but it's, it's the reality. Crime and punishment, I call it. You know what? If I, if I do, if I, valid, if, I, if I violate, you know, if I fall back into one of these patterns, what is my punishment going to be? Because the reality is that we have these habits we go out and spend on credit cards with money we don't have. We, we go and we, we, you know, we eat things that we shouldn't be eating or, or we sleep with people that we shouldn't be sleeping with or, or who knows. You just add it in, whatever you want. There's reasons that we do these instant gratification things. The reason is they have value to us. They make us feel good. And we have to identify and say, you know what, I know that this is not these little self-gratification things that I am engaging in are taking away from the whole picture of who God has envisioned me to be. And what I need to do is to lower the value of, of this particular vice or habit that I have placed in below something else. For me, 16 years ago on June 1st, I gave my life to the Lord. I gave him everything that I knew of at that time. All the kind of the obvious kind of stuff. Except one thing, chewing tobacco. I couldn't give it up. I don't know, uh, yeah, you're, you know, fat mark and now chewing tobacco. You know, what's next? Stop, please. You know, I couldn't give it up. I, I chewed all the time, and I put in this, this principle of crime and punishment. I don't chew anymore, and this is, this is why. 
I, I decided I wasn't going to quit because I tried to quit so many times, and I quit. I became a very good quitter. But equally as good, I became a starter again, too. And I had to realize that quitting wasn't working. I had, you know, that was a way that just wasn't working. So I wasn't going to quit anymore. I needed to lower the value of chewing tobacco. And this is how I did it. I decided, I, dro- I was in the construction industry. I drove around all around Southern California and was on construction sites. Chewing tobacco was cool. It made me one of the guys. Uh, I was in the car all the time by myself. You know, it gave me something to do. I had a little gross glass. I'd sit there, you know, put it back in. You know, people would come in and go, oh, iced coffee, you know. Uh, yeah, can I have some? Sure. Finish it off. This is what I did. And this is what I tell, I tell people, smokers. Nobody ever takes me up on it, but this is what, what helped me. Uh, have as many cigarettes as you want. For me, have as many chews as, as, as I want. But this is what you have to do. Every time you, you want one, you, you go into the liquor store or wherever you get it, you go and you pay cash for it. It was about three bucks back then, I don't know, something like that. You go and you, uh, you take your dip and you put it in your mouth. Make sure that your wife doesn't hear about it. You know, you, then on your way out, you open that lid. You dump it into the trash can. You throw the tin away. Then you go on your way. You, you have that, that, that tin. And you, you enjoy it. Or you're not the tin, you have the chew. Next time you want one, you go in and you do the same thing. For me, having $3 cash in my pants started to have more value than that one chew. And eventually, it became less and less that, you know what, I never quit. I just had more more value to have cash in my pocket than to go and the inconvenience to go find one, to go and purchase it, and uh, to, to throw it all away again. And I tell smokers, I say, smoke all you want. Smoke all you want. Just go in, buy your cigarette packs, take your one cigarette, crush the pack, throw it in the trash, and, and walk out. And they go, oh, that's so much money. Exactly. That's such a waste. What, smoking two packs a day isn't? You have to value the positive, the vision that God has for you more than you value that instant gratification. Be accountable. Nobody likes to look like a failure. Why we don't stand up and, and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, because if we don't do it, we look like a failure. You know what? There is nothing more powerful than saying something in public that you are going to do or having an accountability group. That's why like Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers, they have so much success is because people know that they are going to weigh in in front of people every week. 
scale just it doesn't lie. And it's hard to, to make justifications. And, and it makes you think about the things that you're doing during the week. One thing why triathlons have worked so well for me is because it's something that I can do on my own. I can train on my own. But on race day, it's, gonna, it's going to be evident if I, if I train, trained or not. I mean, it's just these kind of accountability things. Be accountable. And the great thing is there's so many people that like set up like blogs and stuff, like people going back to school and change careers, and they blog about it. And it really doesn't matter if no one reads it. It's just the, the very fact that I'm putting it out there and I'm blogging about it and I'm making it evident to or, or accessible to everybody so people can ask me about it. And then the final thing, and this is probably the most important one, is replace your bad habits with good ones. And I wrote this, this sentence down, and I just want to read it because I want to get it right. Evil is like water. You can remove it, but if you do not replace the area it previously occupied, it will reclaim the space. If you envision a big kind of glass aquarium or something like that filled with water and you you take a glass and you scoop out a a hole in the water what happens the water just fills it in that's the way vices work there was an old cartoon joke about a a a, a place called the Shikshadel hospital they help people quit quit drinking and the, the cartoon, how it kind of went, was somebody would go in, an alcoholic, into Shikshadel, and they, they would come out uh, a smoker. And then they would go back into another hospital to, to get rid of the smoking, and they would come out a drug addict. And then they would go into a drug habit hospital, and they'd come a sex addict. It's just the way it is. You don't have to, like... Think about a bad habit. They just fill that space. What you have to do is intentionally say, you know what? Instead of doing this, I am going to fill that space with this. Now, I have gone way over. I'm sorry, Eric. And uh, I want to leave you guys with this. Those of you who are followers of Christ have the Holy Spirit in you. You are not a slave. You do not have to be a slave to these things. God has already given you victory over these things. You're not the first person to struggle with these things. And God will give you and has already given you victory. You just have to claim it. And you have to do the things and be wise and do the things, which is wisdom, that God has outlaid for you so you can bring God victory and glory and praise in these things. You guys pray, uh, stand with me and we are going to praise God and uh, I'm going to pray. And you know what?
I'm really serious. This is a place that can help in all of these different areas. And if you are struggling with this, if any part of this, you know, any of these things that in this series, we want to be here for you to encourage you to be able to live an integrated, holistic life of worship. Pray with me. Dear God, thank you for everyone here. Just uh, challenge us in this area of our lives. Challenge us in all areas of our lives. Let us just relentlessly pursue what you've created us to be. That we can live out a life that brings glory to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.